Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! Ah! Oh! Oh, wow. I think that... This is a new episode of the Film Majors that we're in. Hello, everybody. Oh, my God. Is it that? Is it that is what it that. is? Holy wow. shit. It's the well, sweet nothing, sound of white Zach. men in my earbuds. Ooh, 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 ooh. Alexis and the two guys back at it again. Getting getting racial right off the bat. I, I spend my as life. As a white man, I support that. <laughs> Alexis stays racial in these streets. That's right. Racial well, in the streets. As I previously stated, I am Zach. I am Mick. I'm Alexis. Hello. Fantastic. Fantastic. Zach, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking lemonade and gin. Lemonade and gin? You're drinking yeah. gin? What's going on? Who is he? Well, Mick, what is going on? What is going on? What's, that is the question that we find ourselves. What's going on is asking well, each know, other i'm i'm kicking back and just enjoying some time in the beautiful state of oregon once again because Ooh. it is uh the week of thanksgiving so happy thanksgiving well uh. you know we don't need to acknowledge the 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 meaning of the holiday but happy day I, off i feel like I hope it's you're pretty enjoying it. unanimously like accepted now in society that it's friendsgiving because i just feel like everyone has jumped on board with that term I'm seeing yeah, it everywhere. Who doesn't, who doesn't love a Friendsgiving? Yeah, we yeah love Friendsgiving. I don't actually get to go to Friendsgiving that often, though. So Why? I always have to go to my family's Thanksgiving. I've literally oh. not. I've literally because I I email my clients for my for my job, and I literally refuse to tell anybody Happy Thanksgiving. It's Happy Holidays. I <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. I'm going to be oh, the same man. way about fucking Christmas. Do you want me to be like, happy holidays? Oh, <laughs> I am very much that way about Christmas because you can really tell who is fucking obnoxious by yes. who gets offended by that. Yeah, when they're like, it's Christmas. Say it. Say, Say Christmas. And I'm like, Say first it. of all, fuck Christmas. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Can, fuck, I, can I have a side that's note? That's a good start. Christ child. <laughs> You have a side note of like, so remember how I told you that me and one of my cast members are like in competition of who can make the other break while we're on stage? Well, indeed, in the production of A Christmas Carol. In the production of A Christmas Carol, which I. A holiday carol. I, I, okay. Also, I was accused this past week and I felt like I didn't want to say this, but I felt like you guys would find it really funny. But I was accused of not loving joy. <laughs> That is that is a fair accusation to level because against I didn't want her. Nailed to take, her ass to the wall. I didn't want to do Secret Santa, and I thought it was optional. They said at the beginning, like weeks ago, like a month ago, that like, oh, if you want to do it, you can do it. And then like, I never took a paper. And yeah. then she's like, so has everybody turned in their Secret yeah, Santa form? And I was like, oh, my God. oh, I haven't, you know? And she's like, well, why Alexis? not? And I was like, well. I thought it was optional. And she was like, oh, so you just don't love peace and joy? And I was like. <laughs> Alexis, you are the Larry David of this of this podcast. <laughs> so, Alexis, if you get if you get like invited to a party, right? And they uh -huh. say, please, 
like like an official party, maybe not like a friend's party, but like yeah. a wedding or something like that. And they go, please, no gifts. Right. What do you do? <laughs> you, you still have to get a gift. Like, even though they say no gifts, you don't want to be that person that actually. They listened. said no okay, gifts. First of all, if I told somebody no gifts at a fucking party, I would want no gifts because what if they get something that I don't like and then I have to pretend that I like it? No, that's the best part. That's the best uh, part is you don't have to pretend. You can just straight up be like, oh, tube sucks. Okay. Yeah. See, that's a problem with Western society is that we're not literal enough. We'll say things like, oh, yeah, you know, Secret Santa, totally optional. That's not optional. In no way say is what it ever going to be optional. Say what you I, fucking mean. I, yeah, I just thought I just thought it was, you know, it doesn't matter because one of my favorite lines that I broke my cast member on this past week was, um, I think he, he told me something like, oh, Scrooge had uh, uncontrollable diarrhea at my house the other day. And then I told him, you know, I actually don't have a problem with Scrooge. I fucking hate poor people, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just it was very fun and it did break him. Good. So good. good. Yeah. Excellent. And then I, another one. Did I already tell you guys the one where like he tore someone's arm off and then beat somebody with it? In oh, a back yes. Alley? That yeah. was that was what you opened with. Yeah, yeah that was great. Well, that's wonderful, but I'd like to... This is, once again, it's not the theater majors, although go see Alexis in A Christmas Carol in Fresno. <laughs> this is the film majors, and I have seen a whole fuck ton of films recently. Oh, now wow. I understand why you said it was going to be films. long. <laughs> no, that's not why. Oh. But I went and saw... Uh, was this yesterday? Yes. Yesterday, I got up bright and early, uh, unintentionally. I woke up earlier than I wanted to. Mm -hmm. But uh, I looked at the showtimes at the various local cineplexes here in Eugene, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And at 1030 in the morning wow. on a Monday, I went and saw Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Oh, I want to see that. A slasher film set around this upcoming holiday. And I've got to say... It was very fun. Yeah. I, uh, I've kind of, Eli Roth has long mm. kind of been a complicated figure for me. Um, I like Hostel. I kind of have a soft spot for Hostel. Uh, and his, uh, like, talking head interviews in these horror documentaries at the uh, Experience Music Project in Seattle uh, were very influential in me taking horror seriously as a genre. But... I generally have not really liked his movies other than Hostel. Um, so it was nice to see another one that I thought was pretty good. Lots of uh, fun, creative kills. Uh, slasher villain dressed up like a pilgrim is fun. It's set in Plymouth, Massachusetts, so you got a lot of great, like, mass hole accents. Nice. Um, He's from Massachusetts, so that's back in his yes. old stomping grounds. Yes, absolutely. Um and yeah, no, I, I generally thought it was a good time. The the ending of the movie makes fucking not a lick of sense. Uh, you got a lot of lot of logic leaps for the resolution of the central mystery of the movie. But uh, it was a fun journey. And, you know, if you're a horror fan, go ahead and check this movie out and add it to your uh, seasonal rotation because it's uh, it's a blast. Um, and then. Last night, I also watched, um, I went to uh, Past and Future guest Edwin's place, and I watched uh, Ichi the Killer and Tommy, 
uh, both of which are insane. Uh, Ichi the Killer is based on a manga. It's a Takashi Miike movie who made Audition. Yeah. It is. Oh, um, nice. Extremely fucking gruesome. Uh, if you are troubled by things, just troubled, troubled by any sort of upsetting thing, it's in this movie. Um, but it is also extremely silly and very fucking funny. And I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't expect it to be kind of a blast, but it was. Uh, and I feel a little weird saying that based on if you only see the opening of the movie, which is a pretty fucking brutal and grim scene, you may be like, Zach, what are you talking about? But if you uh, you have the stomach for upsetting things, keep going because it uh, becomes crazier and crazier and sillier and sillier as it goes. Hmm. Um and yeah, then I also watched Tommy, which is the uh, Ken Russell directed rock opera with the Who. Yeah, uh, nice. Elton John's in it. It's the Pinball Wizard. How was that? Um, it was really fun, extremely weird and trippy, yeah. uh, and like psychosexually upsetting. Classic uh, okay. Ken Russell, staples of the Ken yeah. Russell film. It's well, I just was watching it, and I was like, what if just like out of the blue. Like the Jonas Brothers just like put out a movie that was like all of their songs, but it was like a fucking acid trip of them like starting a cult and like also getting molested. And one of them like Isn't played it just a one album. Uh, the oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but okay. What, Correction if, what if there was Correction Corner? Correction Corner. <laughs> If, if, okay, if the Jonas Brothers put out an album and then made a fucking insane movie like this, like, it would not be successful and everyone would be like, why the fuck did you do that? Well, I mean, Pink but Floyd it also the, did something similar. Well, so. this is what I'm saying. Because it was the yeah. 1970s, everyone yeah. was like, yeah, all right, sure. This is this can be a hit. Like, Tommy Tommy was a fucking success. Like, oh, it was yeah, a, it fucking a, was. It made money. It's, Yeah extremely bizarre very glad i saw it um and then i watched one other film but i will get to that later cool uh i uh i've seen a couple of films i finally saw a new release um i went out and watched uh sofia coppola's priscilla um, Lugoma. yeah I, oh I, yeah that was i okay i did see one other yes, thing you did actually see another movie I uh, saw the Taylor Swift movie and I saw Mick at the theater. Yes. Shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, no, I was in I was in line to get drinks and I look over and I was like, this person standing next to me looks a lot like Sloney Baloney. It is Sloney Baloney. Please stop and calling so, her that. How so there, was there, the there eras? <laughs> that was the rudest fucking audience I've ever seen in my goddamn life. <laughs> I Someone had a rude audience too. Someone Dude, was checking some their email. Yeah, the, in my like, theater, this is at the Glendale AMC. Uh, I had there was a, a get your house usher. in order, Americana. Yeah, the usher had to come in and like tell people to like get off their phone because like the whole row in front of me, like everyone was just texting and like recording the movie on their phones. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, like the Taylor Swift movie. I'm like I'm allowing more leeway 
Like, I understand that the two, you know, eight-year-old girls sitting in front of me are going to get up and dance. Like, whatever. That's fine. But, like, the number of people coming in and out of the theater, and yeah, this one girl checking her fucking email, I'm like, this is not, like, I understand it's a concert film, but it's not a concert. Yeah. Yeah. And, like... You know, even if you were at a, if you were at a concert and you were fucking checking your email, like you wouldn't do that. You would watch it. Yeah. Like you know, respect the fucking craftspeople who made the thing, and more importantly, respect me because I'm annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I uh, I saw Priscilla, and something that I was not expecting with that film is how funny it is. Uh. I, I'm going to go on record as that Priscilla is a sleeper comedy. Uh, there were, uh, I think my, I think my favorite line of the film is when Elvis looks over at Priscilla and says something along the lines of Priscilla, this isn't going to work unless you share my passion for philosophy. And I just said out loud, LOL. And like the, the, the <laughs> audience just laughed like that. That is a, that is a funny movie. Uh, it is also, not a funny movie. It is very uncomfortable, especially like yeah. in the first half. Um, but I have to say, I think it makes a really good companion piece to Boz Lerman's Elvis yeah. because they don't necessarily contradict one another. It's just that Boz Lerman's Elvis is just completely interested in showing the Vegas strip style that he always does of Elvis and then they kind of touch on the dynamics of their relationship during its very long run time. But then Priscilla, as its title would suggest, is all about her perspective. So I think it would make like a really terrific double feature, actually, because they complement each other well. I was kind of expecting this to contradict that movie, but they really don't. It's it's um, it's really well done. I have to give accolades to the uh, the crew that made Priscilla because, like Elvis, uh, their period hair is pretty <laughs> top notch. That's a big pet peeve of mine that I've said on this show before. This over movie, and over again. This this movie nails it, it especially because it's an A twenty four movie, so it's a small budget. They did not have a lot of like. There's one shot of Elvis. Uh, who played Elvis? Jacob something. Jacob Alordi. Jacob Elordi, he's really, really good, but there's one shot of him on the stage performing, and you have maybe 20 background actors in silhouette kind of like going like this. It is yeah. it's very, very low budget, but I have to say, with what they had, it, having a period piece with, with a low budget is very difficult, and they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, the actress uh, who plays Priscilla was incredible, and I was blown away that she is in fact not 18 or younger because she yeah she's 25 looks like it she's yeah. yeah she's 25 i i like i was really uncomfortable watching the movie because the first half of the film i convinced that they got like a 16 year old girl so when her and jacob like start making out i was like oh my god like they're they're going all the way with this how is this allowed yeah. It, but no, they, it was just really, really good uh, makeup, hair, costumes for her. And also she just gave a terrific performance as Priscilla. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I like the film. Super solid. 
I agree with you, Alexis, nice. on what you said on the last episode. I think it's I think it's pretty damn good. Glad I saw it. Heck yeah. And unfortunately, that's the only new release that I saw. I keep trying to see other things. But I also saw an old film called, uh, oh, what is the name of it? Taris Bulba, which is about uh, the Cossacks back in the day, starring Yul Brenner and Tony Curtis. And this is a bad film that I'm not suggesting people watch. But <laughs> do you guys know who Yul Brenner is? No. I kind of okay. briefly know about the Cossacks. <laughs> so yeah, Yul same. Brenner, <laughs> has anyone seen um, uh, oh, that, that sci-fi film uh, Westworld? The original Westworld. No, you, I haven't. That's you been haven't on my list that? for a very long time. Do you know the poster, time. the bald guy that plays the baddie? Either of you know that at all? No? Yes, no. I do. Okay, that guy is like the same age as Tony Curtis. And Tony Curtis plays his son in the film. Oh. And there's a great scene because, like, he starts off as a boy. But, like, 15 minutes into the movie, we have grown up son and it's tony curtis and there's a scene where all the cossacks are in a bar getting horrendously drunk and tony curtis is like spilling over himself and just falls into the lap of yule brenner and yule brenner is just like petting his leg and stuff and it was just i was just like this is weird why did they cast why did they cast tony curtis the whitest looking dude it's just like, oh, my God. So the only reason I'm talking about it at all, at all is just like weird casting choices where you have an actor think about the opening the of uh, That makes me think about the opening of Walk Hard where John C. Riley is like, I'm just a 14-year-old boy, yeah. mama. Yeah. It, it's it, like it him was, in a crowd of children. Yeah. It's like really similar to that. It's very, very strange. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's been going on with me in the film world. What about you, Alexis? Wow. Um, so, funnily enough, I have a strange tie-in with the Cossacks. <laughs> because, Fucking go for it. Because I, I watched... Te- um, you up. I, I watched An American Tale... But T A I L L T A I L T A I L T A I L Yeah, so it's a it's about a mouse. It's about really it begins with a family of mice, and it's from like 1985, and it's a Don Bluth film, and it's about this little it's Fievel Mouskowitz, and. I believe he is he is definitely Jewish. <laughs> they are Jewish um what? little little um my, mice. Fievel Mouskowitz? Yeah, that's a that's a Jewish mouse. Yeah, he's definitely Jewish. They talk about like, you know, hol- yeah, anyways. And uh they end up having to I think they live in Russia and then they end up having to like flee Russia because I think like the house that they were like, you know, cuz obviously they live in a smaller part of the house, but the house that they were like living under was attacked like the whole neighborhood was attacked by i think the cossacks or something like came through and just like fucking wreaked havoc on the neighborhood or whatever and then of course the cats come out and there's this whole thing about there are no cats in america and it's literally just a movie about mice but it's really just a movie about the immigrant experience (laughs) in like the 19 i want to say like 1910s or something because there's all this we want freedom um anyways (laughs) Is, uh, we is want fi- freedom. 
yeah, there's this is one. Five Goes West a sequel. Then? It's this. Yeah, the Five Goes West is the sequel. Um, I think okay. it's really funny. There's this really funny moment where like this woman who's like the richest mouse in town. She comes in and she's like, we can't let the cats do this to us anymore. You know, and she was like, they can't even tell between the poor and the rich anymore. Like basically saying like the rich are also getting eaten. So now we got to do something about it. That shit had me wow. like giggling. <laughs> Um, is, it I wanna, an an- I wanna... is that an animated movie or is it like Mouse on the Motorcycle? No, it's like an animated yeah. movie. Don Bluff uh, yeah, is d- like a pretty famous like kids movie director from like the 80s. Yeah, okay. he was like kind of building and like opposing animated option in the US to Disney during the yeah, 80s. Yeah, Steven Spielberg I mean, I was like I've an really executive producer on it. Right. Yeah. Oh, was that an Amblin film? I think so. Right. Yeah, because that would have been Amblin, but before he founded DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. The, yeah. So and and also, horny for Horner. James Horner also does the <laughs> the, the score is. for that movie, yeah, we, and it's, it's really it's, it's cute. His it's world. Sweet. We're just living in it. Yeah, and uh, it's got a beautiful violin piece that uh, plays like over and over again, like as like this kind of theme and stuff. So. Um, but it's good. It's kind of like, you know, like a, a some kid getting uh, lost from his family and having to find his way in the big city and, you know, kind of seeing like the disappointment in traveling to America as an immigrant, basically. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, and then the other. <laughs> um, what did you watch, Alexis? I have seen a new release. Yeah, and what was it? I have actually I think seen we know it what twice. I've seen oh it twice. Oh my god. <laughs> is it that good? Okay, I didn't technically choose to see it twice on purpose. It's just that I went the first time to see it with my sister on purpose, and then somebody else was like, "Oh, do you want to go see this?" And I was like, "Oh, I already saw it, but like I'd be down to go again. Like why not?" You know? I have heard good things. I mean, well, what's the film? It's uh, it's the Hunger Games uh, ballad of songbirds and snakes. So there I've seen go. it. I've seen it twice in theaters. <laughs> oh. Um, and uh, I don't know. I really I really enjoyed the soundtrack. And I know that I think Rachel Zegler is just like a really fucking good like uh, she's a really fucking good singer. She I mean, obviously, oh, she did yeah. everything um, live in a West Side Story, which we covered earlier this year. And then she also did it live so for this movie. Listen. She's just really talented. Um, but the guy who played Snow, um, really hot. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, I saw you describe his, quote, cunty little wig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only person. I stole that from other people on the Internet. OK, <laughs> I said fascism never looks so scrumptious. Um, oh, my God. That's worse. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Engraved on like, Alexis's tombstone. Like, it was, I think, what, Zach, do you remember what I said? It was like. Oh, I, I, (laughs) it was really bad. It was really bad. Uh, I I literally wrote that and I was like, I just need to be like put away. I watched this twice to confirm my suspicion that my colonizer blood is skewing my judgment. Fascism looks scrumptious in a cunty blonde wig. Someone put me down. Good God. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think Alexis has passed her expiration date. You gotta throw that away. Oh, I'm Horny so rancid. on Maine. Rancid Ugh. as fuck. Um... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, in general, I really want to read the book because I've heard that, like, you won't like his character at all if you read the book. You know, obviously, a lot of times when you see things, like, adapted into a movie, it tends to give more humanity to a character than might you might get from a book. Because in the book, they're only going to give you, like... Either they're going to not give you enough information and it's only going to be like kind of one dimensional or you're going to get all of the information. You're going to realize they're a shitty person. Whereas so this book, you get all the information. It's like a first person like point of view. So um, he's he's shitty. We know he's shitty. But in this movie, he's really hot. But I also like that Rachel Zegler and her boyfriend have been in like the same movies like a bunch of times now. Like he played Chino. Who's her boyfriend? Uh, I think his name's his last name. Oh, Rivera. oh, the guy who plays Chino. Yeah, he's he's Chino in West Side Story, and he also plays one oh, of the yeah. main side characters, Sir Janus, in uh, this movie. Excellent. Yeah, I really liked really him good. in West Side Story. I thought he was incredible in that movie. Yeah, he's really good. So like the totally power couple dynamic going on there, um, and then of course Hunter Hunter Schaefer was great. I love her. Um, I'm trying to think here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I really liked the soundtrack. Olivia Rodrigo did a really good song for the end credits. Um, and all the like folk songs that they wrote for the movie were really good. So I really enjoyed it. Um, nice. Well, I, I do love some folk oh, music. Yeah, I think it's really hard to make a movie that you're like, oh, wow, that's so good. Like, definitely go see it. I can totally defend the plot because he's a villain so like it's really hard to like you know once you get to the third act he's kind of like beyond redemption almost you know and he's just like slipping further so no stop it sorry that's my dog <laughs> she's like kind of past redemption so it's kind of like you ki i kind of can't get behind it i think there was actually somebody who sniffled when he was crying towards the end and i was like <laughs> Um, no, you will not be getting any fucking sympathy from me. Thank you, sir. Um, well, yeah. again, if you really want to watch, if you really want to watch a movie with unsympathetic characters, check out Ichi the fucking killer. <laughs> that yeah. is, uh, living, living in the fucking gutter from minute one. Wow. So but Alexis, the title yes. card appears out of a puddle of we, cum. Would you say that fascism was no longer scrumptious by the third act? Um... Yeah. She can't well, say it. <laughs> she cannot <laughs> say it. You're really she hesitating, and that's not Mick, good. Mick fucking pulled the escape hatch on this fucking <laughs> crashing plane, and you fucking buckled your seatbelt. Yeah. You, you're staying. <laughs> I got my parachute on. I'm gone, baby. Uh, okay. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. He kind of looks like. Eminem, but like back when Eminem was still cool in the nineties, before you realized how problematic he was. Um, what are you talking about? He got so cool when he did the Venom soundtrack. That's um, right. Yeah, Elton John uh, was like, "I can fix him." Yeah, you know, I, I I'll be honest, less scrumptious just by default of not having the cunty little blonde wig anymore. 
So, and he loses that in the third act, you know, like the third section of the movie. So I, I think so I less can, scrumptious. Yeah, I can confidently say fascism looks less scrumptious um, in the military. <laughs> there you go. All right. I don't you like heard it here right first, now. folks. I, <laughs> I think uh, that is as good a place as any <laughs> to hop the fuck out of what's going on. Okay, wait, side note. Good God. I'm going to go see Napoleon tonight in IMAX, and then I'm seeing... Oh, fuck oh, yeah. Salt, yeah. I'm seeing Saltburn on Friday with my sister. Nice. Excellent. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. More Jacob Elordi. Hell yeah. Oh, oh there he is. There he is. Cameo. How are we doing tonight? Papa oh Harris. Oh, it's Zach. My father Hi. has How's arrived. How's doing? Oh, my God. How are we doing? <laughs> It's like getting a glimpse into the future, Zach. Uh, yeah, yeah, isn't that haunting? That's great. <laughs> Fresno. All right. Here we come. Fresno. Have fun. Yeah. Happy, yeah. happy holidays, Really make Mr. sure Harris. you lean directly on our mixer, man. Hey, uh, hey, Mick, we're going to visit your folks in Walport on uh, Saturday. Go okay, great. Their address. I'm not going to warn them. Zach. Oh, my God. Zach. Okay. Yes. Zach. I. That's me. I, you know, that move that he just did with the arms and he's just like, yeah, yeah, that's so you. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> that. I was like, so this you. is where he gets it from. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Awesome. So glad. So, <laughs> Alexis, you know, you can hear the you can hear the sounds of my my father and uh, our family dog in the background. But I, I'm hearing something else. I'm hearing another kind of sound echoing echoing through these halls Choo, do you hear that is that the train can you hear it can you is hear that, it coming the train. The oh my god alexis i feel like it's slowing down where's it stopping where's <laughs> it stopping the animation <laughs> station y'all hollow oh back oh my god it's our final stop it is it's the last stop at the wow. animation station it's where, been a special time. Oh, where has the time gone? I don't well, know. as we have arrived at our final stop at the animation station, what's our final big topic? Our final big topic is the goodest boys of cinema. The goodest boys of the, the silver screen. Scruffy boys of cinema. Hell yeah. Well, who are some of our favorite cinematic dogs? Mick? Uh, I don't know the name of the dog off the top of my head, but one of my personal favorites is Max Rokotansky's uh, sidekick in Mad oh, Max, specifically yeah, the first one. That's a good dog. That's the Australian a good dog. Shepherd is a fantastic boy. He's a good boy. Uh, and I like that Max and his dog will share a meal together. As in, they both eat dog food out of a can. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Uh, but that that's a really good dog, because when things go down for Max, you can always rely on his dogs to like come in and like grapple with a bad guy's arm and like rip it off and stuff like that. That's a good boy. It's a good sidekick that is a boy on a mission, which is very much in line with the film we'll be talking about here shortly. Yeah, that's a that's a dog that takes care of fucking business. That's right. Um, 
I mean, I feel like we have to shout out a great dog franchise, the John Wick films. There are so many good boys in those movies. Obviously, his first dog, which whose death sets off the entire series. May he rest in peace. Uh, yeah, that that's the whole reason why I never finished the first movie. I saw the Let animal die, and I was like, "Nope, can't do it anymore." It's it, it's Isn't so it the cathartic. Of the film? It's, yep. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I turned it wow. off. Alexis, if you can, if you can pick it up from after that point, uh, you your heart will grow ten sizes. It's uh, very very satisfying. Uh, but then, spoilers: he gets another dog by the end of the film. Sweet yeah. pitbull. Good boy. I love And pitbulls. finally, I think my favorite dog in those movies is um, Mr. Nobody's Dog in John Wick 4. Uh, yeah. Who just, I, I'm not sure what breed it is. Um, I don't think it's, it's not a German Shepherd. Um, but it just absolutely wrecks fucking shop in action scenes. And, uh is just a, a sweet, nice boy and uh, provides a moment of connection between him and Mr. Wick. And uh, I was very, very pleased to see that boy when I saw John Wick four several times in theaters this year. So John Wick, a good boy, a franchise built on the back of good boys. Mm. Well, when I thought of when I thought of this, my first instinct was to go to um, Homeward Bound <laughs> naturally oh yeah yeah shadow the golden retriever so there's like three animals if nobody has seen homeward bound i don't know what fucking rock you lived under in your childhood in the 90s maybe you weren't (laughs) born in the 90s maybe i'm old doesn't matter (laughs) i don't know we all have to know our limits yeah 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 exactly um but yeah no so like the whole movie kind of pins on the emotional connection to the animals, obviously. And Shadow is, in fact, the goodest boy. He is the the ringleader in many ways. He's kind of like the, the pack leader and he gets them where they need to go. And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, <laughs> you think that he's fucking dead Because, like, he's an old fucking dog and maybe he just didn't make the last leg of this fucking, like, essentially, like, journey to fucking get back to their family. Um, And then he just shows up out of nowhere because you think, like, he got hurt, like, in, like, a little ditch or something. And you think, like, oh, shit, maybe he didn't make it. He falls. He falls into a pit, a muddy pit at a rail Mm -hmm. yard. Yeah. Um, And it's funny. I I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid and. I'm trying to think back to like certain memories that kind of unlock your consciousness. And I can confidently say that when shadow falls into the muddy pit and he's basically like, leave me, you know, I'm not worth saving. You need to get home. You need to be with the family. Um, I Peter think was probably you. the first, the first profound moment of empathy that I ever felt as a human being was first and last. On, yes, it was a quick, it was in and out very quickly, but it was Shadow <laughs> from Homeward Bound that did it. Um, that was a very powerful scene. It nice. really was. Yeah. Um, Just seeing him come over the hill because you think that, like, he's not, he didn't make it, maybe, you know, and then you see him and how happy the boy whose dog it is gets. And it's just, like, tears. Messy and unfuckable. 
For sure. And I always forget the dad in Homeward Bound is the guy from Airplane. Mm. Like uh-huh. I saw I saw a clip of it recently and I was like, holy shit, that's that's our hero from Airplane. It's weird seeing him not in a raunchy comedy. Wow. Um I have an honorable mention. Please. That my sister said, I've not seen this movie and I refuse to because I think it's too sad. It's the same reason why I won't watch Marley and Me. <laughs> um, Hachi? Have you seen that? No. Okay, no. well, it's basically kind of like a story about, like, a dog who, like, you know, has has a really good relationship with their owner and, like, meets him at the train every day. Like, his owner goes to work, and then they go home from work from the train station every day. And then I think something Animation happens station. to his... Animation station. Woo! <laughs> um, and, uh... So I think it's I think something happens to his owner and like the dog literally waits for him for like weeks. It's kind of the whole like Futurama thing where the dog just fucking waits until it dies kind of shit. You know, oh my God, that's a tragedy. That episode of Futurama and like Schindler's List are neck and neck. I I don't know if I'll go that far. I don't know, man. (laughs) It turns you up inside. I would like to uh, mention one more of my own and then uh, an honorable mention, because uh, as you've heard, I'm in my father's house. And if I don't mention this movie, uh, I'll be sleeping in the yard. Um, So my other pick would be uh, Rosie from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what I was going to say. Oh, I love Rosie. Good ass dog. Who's who's actually a a girl, but still a good boy. Frightening. Yeah. Her name in Um, real life is Brandy. Oh, which is a good name for her. That was a great name for a dog. Um, but the one that my dad uh, would have me shout out, which uh, do we have? Do we have any other big ones we want to mention? Because this could serve as a transition point. I, I have a couple that I want to shout ahead, out quickly. Uh, again, I don't know the name of this dog or even the character name, but the German Shepherd from I Am Legend was Will yeah. Smith. Oh, oh man, yeah. that's a that's a tough one. That was a really good that, boy. That tore me the fuck up as a kid. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a death that I'm still upset about. Um, fucked up to this day. And then the other one is I know I know one of you can help me out in this capacity. The actual name of this dog, but our lovely little toy poodle from uh, Batman and oh, uh, Princess. Yeah, Princess. I don't know if that's actually the dog's name, but that's Princess's name in Silence, Silence, Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. Yeah, I was gonna mention that dog too. That's we got it. We gotta have Princess in this if we're gonna be talking about good boys and or girls. Gender's a construct. Goddamn right. You're goddamn right. Uh, okay, well, good picks. Uh, Alexis, any other uh, any other good boy shoutouts? Uh, the dog from Coco. I don't remember what the fucking his fucking name was, but he was a street dog, and uh, I loved him. He was kooky, and then he turned into a little spirit at the end. I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Nice. We also, unless, Zach, I hope I'm not stealing this from you for your dad, but, like, it would behoove us as film majors to discuss Old Yeller. I don't think I've ever seen Old You've Yeller. You've never if seen I have, Old Yeller. If I have, I was too young to remember. I watched it is some somewhere in middle school. It, you know, like on days where like you watch movies and class or something. We watched yeah. Old Yeller. I think we also had read Old Yeller. 
Let me tell you, I'm not rewatching Old Yeller. You guys cannot dupe me into watching any more movies where a dog dies. Okay, I'm putting I my foot down. I this can is fucking my definitely boundary. dupe you into yeah. it. I will watch something not only, else. Not only can I dupe you into that, I'm going to dupe yeah. you into that. It's I already 20, have a movie 2024 is coming up, and I already have my New Year's resolution. My my <laughs> my films that I've curated Sad. for next year's Boat Month are very. <laughs> They're all connected with one very simple trait that each film shares. We're bad guys. You're we all are fired. Um, We're villains. Straight to jail. The, uh, the transition film that I was going to bring up is uh, the Paul Walker film. I believe it's Paul Walker. Eight Below. Uh, I can't believe I didn't say that one. It's uh, a film about, uh, I believe, sled dogs. I don't remember what the exact conflict is. It's been forever I since I've seen it. I do remember what the exact conflict is. Let me tell you, Zach, because I'm ready. Please go for it. <laughs> Take it away. OK, so they're basically Paul Walker is on like a research base in Antarctica. Don't know. It's somewhere where there's uh -oh. some sort of all sorts of fucking snow and shit, right? Get those, get those dogs out of there. Kill the dogs. Kill year, all of those dogs. Year, year round, year round snow. Anyways, uh, some sort of storm is coming and they have end up having to leave like immediately, but they don't have enough space to like take the eight dogs that they have there at the research facility. Yes, so they leave right. them behind yeah, yeah, yeah. on the assumption that they're going to be able to come back for them soon. But what ends up happening is that they don't have the money to go back for them. They don't have the resources to go back for them. This guy, Paul Walker, is like fighting to get his fucking dogs back for like months and months and months. And um, basically you see him, you know, trying to figure out how to get back to these dogs to like, you know, rescue them. And then while you're watching that, you see how the dogs are trying to survive, basically. And the first. Yes. The first death is just the saddest fucking one because the dogs get like all of them get free except for the oldest one. He never gets off of the leash that they are like chained up um, like next to the research facility. I think it was old Jack or something like that. Um, you, I love how this is all just coming back to me. <laughs> uh, let me tell you how uh, the DVD for Eight Below is currently sitting out in my dad's living room. Does your dad love that movie? Because I love your dad. He now. loves. I bought it for him. I bought it for him for his. I bought it for him for uh, his birthday in high, when I was in high school because I was like, I know two things that my dad will like, which are a DVD of The Martian and a DVD of Eight Below. Good oh my picks. god, I love your dad. I saw that movie in theaters and it broke my fucking heart because like there's all these moments of like little joy in seeing like the dogs kind of explore like you know the wilderness of this area you know on their own and kind of making their own way but then there's you know little moments where like somebody one of them gets injured and they have to like leave them behind or they won't leave them behind you know and i just when a dog is sad i'm heartbroken and empty inside inconsolable <laughs> i'm inconsolable <laughs> well it's funny that we're talking about, you know, Siberian Huskies and, uh, you know. Indeed, what could that tie into? Inclement environments, because our final film of Animation Month yeah. is what, Alexis? <laughs> it's 1995's Bingo. Balto. 
Oh, no, Balto. not bingo. bingo. I thought it was bingo. Ew. No. <laughs> uh, yes, it is 1995's Balto, directed by Simon Wells, uh, with the voice talents of Kevin Bacon, Bob Hoskins, and Jim Cummings. And here is the synopsis. In this animated feature, a deadly diphtheria epidemic strikes the remote town of Nome, Alaska. With the life-saving medicine located hundreds of miles away, the residents decide <laughs> to send out a sled dog team. Balto, Kevin Bacon, a half-wolf dog ignored by all except a goose, Boris. Bob Hoskins and two polar bears is chosen to run, but is disqualified by lead dog Steel, Jim Cummings. When the other dogs get lost in the snow, Balto risks his life to rescue them and deliver the medicine. They I'd definitely right watched this uh, movie. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty much. Lo- I mean, it's it's a short film, so you know, it's literally only seventy eight like, minutes long. So if they had yeah, gotten that they, one wrong, uh, I would have been really yeah, disappointed. Yeah, would have been would have been a pretty big fuck up on Google's part. For real, for real. <laughs> Alexis, why Balto? <sighs> the question is, why not Balto? <laughs> um, but the answer is <laughs> that this was. Other than like The Lion King, this was my favorite movie to watch as a child. Like, I can't even tell you the amount of times I've seen this movie. I threw it on today. I haven't seen it since last year when I think I made Mick watch it with me for my birthday or something. And yeah, that's right. And I literally made my nephew sit down and watch it with me and... I was just quoting the movie like half the time. Like I it's memorized like it's yeah, it's burned in there. <laughs> it's burned in there. <laughs> um, I love it. Literally, I tear up twice in this movie every single time. Um, never fails. <laughs> uh, where at? Um, so the moment where the dad uh, of Jenna kicks snow at Balto and says, Honey, no, you can't play with him. He's part wolf. He might bite. And then like he just like slinks away like he's so sad because he all he wanted was to also, you know, be a sled dog on Jenna's little child sled thing. Like he just wanted to play. And then at the very end where the little girl is like, Balto, I'd be lost without you. Well, this is a, a film that really, you know, sings the uh, the heroic praises of Balto. Truly. Which is unfortunate because that's bullshit. That's <laughs> fucking bullshit. You know who saved the day? It was a little dog in the other film I watched today, which was Togo. That's yeah. right, motherfuckers. Oh, you Not Togo? only did I watch Balto, I watched Togo because I wanted to hear about the real shit. Because guess wow. what? You know why Balto got all the credit? You know fucking why Balto got all the credit for getting the diphtheria medicine? Because he only did the last leg of the journey. He's the one. It was a uh, handoff situation where different teams of sled dogs were going from Fairbanks to Nome and doing a relay with the medicine. Most of the sled dog teams 
uh, ran about 30 miles apiece. One sled dog team led by an old grizzled veteran, a 12-year-old Siberian Husky named Togo, ran <laughs> 264 miles. 264. That's crazy. Eight times as much as any of the other dogs. But who gets credit? Fucking Balto. Because Balto's the one who shows up to the town. What does Togo get? Fucking shit. He doesn't get a statue. He doesn't get a movie until a couple of years ago with a little film called Wait, Togo on but Disney the, the Plus. Statue isn't Willem a statue of Balto. It's just a yeah, statue. We get the movie. It's just a statue of a Siberian husky, and it's de- dedicated to all so the sled you, dogs. Give me a break. So all let, the papers at the time were about Balto. Let me get he's the this one straight. Who showed up. Let me get this straight. So basically, <laughs> Steel in the movie Balto is Balto in real life. Yes. <laughs> Wow! Don't mi- never meet your heroes. Oh man! Let this, me just tell everybody. No, let me just tell our audience. Not true. <laughs> that's not steal. this audience. Yeah, he's coming never in. Never meet he's your heroes. He's literally stealing the glory. He yes, is steal. Yes. He's a wow. dog. He didn't ask for the glory. It was thrust <laughs> upon him. Wow, Balto's okay, a know. fraud. Oh my god. Alto, Alto, a fucking faker. Um, <laughs> Damn. I told you this would be a long episode because I have to clear someone's name. Well, Wait, you know what? We should dedicate it, right? this. We should dedicate this episode in the show notes to Togo. There You're we go. Goddamn right. Isn't Togo okay, with Willem is, Dafoe? Yes, he's very good in it, and oh, honestly, wow. Togo. Pretty I've never fucking seen good that movie. movie. Uh, Where is it available? I on? think it's on Disney Plus. Uh, which that was what I was calling you what? about earlier, Mick, was to try to log into your Disney Plus. When did it? Oh, when did okay. it come out? Uh, Twenty nineteen. Oh. oh, okay. Because I looked. It I was up like, I've online, never heard of that. I know yeah, about Yeah, it was Togo. straight to Disney Plus. I didn't know that that had been released yet. I thought that was an up and coming title that they were working on. No, no, How that came that out four years ago. How come didn't get any marketing? That's a dog movie. I, I would know. have loved to watch that. That's like right yeah, up my alley. You know, no dog deaths. It's good. Are you saying that 2019 continues to grow <laughs> as the movie year of all years? I think so. I, it I think does. Con- I do continue to find wow. fucking heaters from that year. That's nuts. Um, but... Okay, it, one thing I will say about the film Togo is that it is hilariously anti-Balto. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, it ends with, like, text, and it's like... Uh, oh, my God. There, there is a statue built in Central Park dedicated to the dogs. It resembles Balto. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> there's, there's, like, a line of dialogue where they're... Um, Willem Dafoe's uh, wife, played by uh, Juliet Nicholson, who's very good in Dream Scenario. Um, she's like uh, trying to get sled dogs together for uh, like the final sled of the journey, and they're like, uh, "Who will the leaders of that time be? That that team be?" And someone's like, "Oh, Fox and Balto." And she's like, "Hmm. Well, they won't win any races." And I'm like, "They're commenting on the film Balto." That's <laughs> hilarious. You know what's funny? Togo I'm... has like like I'm doing this is a bit but whoever made togo is legit pissed correct the fuck it. off about the movie we are talking record. about today i'm seeing parallels right here because in 1995 two hit films were released balto and mel gibson's braveheart 
Fast forward <laughs> to 2019, 2020, and you had Togo and, and Robert Outlaw the Bruce King. and Outlaw King about Robert the Bruce, which also went directly <laughs> to streaming for Netflix. Holy These are shit, that's both, funny. That is an exact parallel. So basically, Balto <laughs> is Mel Gibson in Braveheart, who really didn't do like that much when it was actually Robert the Bruce that saved the day, and they did him dirty in that movie, so they had to make his own film that corrected the record. This is, oh my god, Balto and Braveheart, they're like, they're the same film. Um, oh my god. So in fact, yeah. you are correct and incorrect at the same time, because my god, the movie that really ousted Balto is Toy Story 1995. What is this? What? Toy Story also came out in 1995. It's like people were like, oh, nope. How, how did that oust Balto, though? Because who gives a fuck about Balto when Toy Story came out? Toy Story is like a modern classic still. Well, no, I think more what we're saying is that there's just this weird parallel. Yeah, between no, I, see, I, see, I see the weird parallel. But but you're saying that I don't need to take Balto down because Toy Story already did. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Balto, I don't think Balto really did that great at the box office like when it came out because Toy Story basically fucking rocked its shit. <laughs> Rang its well, bell. I can, I can tell you that at least one person is still very mad about it and they directed the film Togo. <laughs> You know, what? I respect that because I love a good history, a history buff, you know, but uh, when I was in the third grade, we had this assignment where we had to choose what our animal was to do research on. And my animal was uh, the gray wolf. And so and I've always loved wolves every time, like when I get a fucking Mexican ass blanket at the fucking Red Mate or whatever, like got to get one with wolves on it because why the fuck not if you're gonna go mexican like go all the way you know um hell yeah but yeah so like i i i think in particular i have like a really big predilection for dogs and specifically wolves so the whole concept of him being like even if it's not true part dog part wolf and that being like a representation of being an outsider and being different and having to learn that your differences make you stronger. Don't care. I don't I, I don't give a shit about everything else specifically because that mattered a lot to me as a child. <laughs> you know, I have to say rewatching this film after going to the White Wolf Sanctuary in Oregon a couple weeks ago, um, I was definitely pulling for Balto a lot more on a rewatch because they're being all like, he's a mixed breed. He's propaganda. not a dog. He's half pro Balto propaganda. Dog. Yeah. And it, when you go to the wolf sanctuary, it actually, they teach you the history of how wolves have been kind of like sharks, just completely unjustly vilified by yeah. the human species. And like, I, I was like, oh, like, oh, my, like you can even buy a T-shirt there that says uh, uh, Little Red Riding Hood lied. I was like, God damn, I like that. So I have to say, wow, I'm, like the film Balto lied. Yeah, exactly. Balto There's a lot a of lying happening. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm totally like I was already pro wolf. But now that I've actually been around them and what majestic beasts that they are. Um, yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm not going to say I'm pro Balto because, you know, Balto was a fraud, but I'm pro, <laughs> I'm pro mixed breed 
uh, dog, wolf, and just wolf okay. in general. So in that capacity, I'm, I have his back. And I don't, I want to say, I don't appreciate how those other dogs were, they were othering him. They were being racist. They were being racist. And this film teaches kids to not be racist towards dogs <laughs> in particular. Good, yeah. Humans um, are fair children game. Children will extrapolate no metaphor. Yep. <laughs> um... I'm sorry, but I love the goose, though. I love Bob Hos- Hoskins. I fucking love Bob Hoskins. I, yeah, I loved his voice performance here. I am uh, who framed Roger Rabbit's strongest soldier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you truly are. I kept thinking about I, you every time I heard his voice because it made, <laughs> kept making me think of who framed Roger Rabbit. Because at the time when I originally Tunes. saw this as a kid, I'd never seen who framed Roger Rabbit. I didn't ha- see that until I was like a teenager. Yeah, see, that was... Uh, probably in a, a similar level of rotation for me as Balto was for you. Um, I feel like that says a lot about your character profiles. <laughs> I think it really does. Yeah, okay. A lot adds <laughs> up Alex- there. Alexis, pleasant and well-adjusted. Me, embittered and alcoholic. I don't know uh, if I would say pleasant and well-adjusted because I, yeah. I, I, well, I just pleasant. briefly forgot to mention like while we were talking about the wolf thing that you know how you were, were talking about how disgusting I am earlier? Well, my first thought when we were talking about wolves was, you know, I wouldn't be a furry, you know, like I don't want to be a furry. I knew this would come up. I knew this would come up. But if I had to choose the animal that I was, if I was a furry, like we're saying this is a purely hypothetical situation that is never going to happen. But if I were, I would be a wolf. And that's that's all that I need to say on okay, that. Okay, so I just want to let's quick episode <laughs> review. Fascism <laughs> is scrumptious, and I want to have sex with dogs. That's, no, no, that's let's be honest. Let's A be wolf? honest. That's what you're saying. Uh, that no. is what you're saying. No, it is. No, that's the what I'm saying is that I would be a wolf. Okay, so that maybe you I'd could. fuck a sheep. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I, I am, I'm still parachuting out of this place, echoing back. Guys, 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 this is the first G-rated movie we've ever talked about. We, we are 56 minutes into this episode before furries were brought up. Do you... Do you we, know we why gave I it a, said we gave that, it a good though? Try. Because I, I got invited to a furry party one time, and this Did person... What? Did you go? Of course, it was a Halloween party. I mean, yeah, I was dressed up. I was dressed up as Velma, so I wasn't dressed up like a furry or anything. But they, like a bunch <laughs> of these people were in their furry gear or whatever. And this, I, I met this person that like I knew from high school, and I was like, oh hey, what are you doing here? But actually, never mind. I, I know what you're doing here. I can <laughs> see. I can see what you're doing here. And uh, his girlfriend was a wolf, and he was a sheep. That's why I, I made that joke. So Ooh, go chase some tail, buddy. Am I right? There we go. <laughs> um, so Balto the film. Balto the film. Um, <laughs> First and foremost, uh, a thing that I have noticed in animated films is uh, 
why do animators always got to make the anthropomorphic uh, female animals look have like sexy yeah. eyes? That's like, I, I had the they same. They always thought. give them like fuck me eyes. I was yeah. watching Surfs Up a while ago with my buddy Hunter, and I was like, oh, I was worried that I wouldn't want to fuck the Zoe Deschanel penguin, and I'm glad. I'm glad my what? my fears my fears have been allayed because the, they've given her such sexy, sultry eyes. It's I weird. Think it's a weird thing that animators do. The most egregious fuck me eyes in animation remains to be Nala from The Lion King. Oh, 100%. That is still... That's a sexy cat. Oh, boy. That's uh, unsubtle. But yeah, no, uh, Zach, I'm not, I, I'm I not a furry, this, but critical support, guys. <laughs> I had the same thought when we're introduced to the, to the female dog. I was like, they even made her have a big chest. Like, they, they, they're going She's all busty. in. She's oh, a busty gosh. dog. <laughs> Look at the rack. <laughs> she's got a she got like the idiotic bidious waist but like a huge bust. Little in the middle but you got touch back. Uh, Yo, the fucking the, the purple dog, Dixie or whatever her fucking name is, Trixie, she's I rancid. Think. That bitch would yeah. like she'd roll the fuck over. <laughs> I love that. I love that pun. That's good. Oh my god. Um <laughs> Okay, so my she's thoughts, a bitch. Uh, my the, thoughts her whole on thing where she's like, my girl is away at boarding school. Like literally like come over and ride me any day of the week. Um, <sighs> I knew I knew this episode was gonna be like this. Since animation month was announced, I knew it. It was like so we're this train's on the tracks, right? And I am that poor helpless damsel in distress that's been tied to the railroad tracks of knowing that all of these furry jokes were coming at me and I'm somebody here and I'm not happy about it. Somebody okay, called like, Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. When's the next oh. opportunity that I'm going to be able to crack furry jokes, okay? Or dog related oh. puns, okay? <laughs> you know, it just doesn't come around that often and when you see your I opportunity, you got one shot, one opportunity. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so my thoughts on the film. Uh, I generally was like, this is uh, not a film that's like just like child appropriate. This is like a movie for kids. Yeah. Uh, I felt like ge generally wasn't a lot there for me story wise or character wise as an adult. But I will say the thing that kept me the fuck engaged was our boy, our king, our hero, James Horner, putting it, leaving it all leaving on the fucking down. court with Throwing that score. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, that is such a fucking phenomenal score. Uh, like, b better than it has any fucking right to be. He went absolutely crazy with it. Uh, the, like, yeah, scene... The the opening of the movie, I think, where you see the initial race with steel and they're like going into the canyon, that shit, the score there is like nuts. It felt like it belonged in like Lord of the Rings. I was uh, very, very pleased with it. And uh, yeah, James Horner, rest in peace. I, you would have loved being brought up on our furry talk episode. Here is. Yeah. So the thing is, is that. Before I ever knew that I was like a film kid, I was a film kid because I noticed that a lot of the movies that I really gravitated towards and like really like played over and over. I look at them now and I'm like, oh, they have the same composers. 
I really loved the music from them. And and James Horner was one of them, like where it's like, oh, I loved An American Tale. I loved Balto and I loved The Land Before Time. And like even to this day, there is like an emotional memory in those scores where I can just listen to those scores, see the movie in my mind and cry during like the apex of emotion for each scene. Like it's crazy, like how how ingrained the emotion of the movie is just through the music itself. It's it blows my mind still. Yeah, I I wish that live action movies would take their music as seriously as a lot of animated films do, because when you're in an animated world, you really have to kind of rely on the music a little bit more. And like there are some Alexis, you're touching on it. There are some truly magnificent scores that have been done for kids' films and animated movies. And the land before uh, this time. is no exception. Yeah, the land there, it's time, just like... Definitely. Also there Horner, some really right? good music out yes. there. Um, I, think, I think the thing is, is that, like... I don't know if it's, like... I want I some, sometimes I wonder because like sometimes in movies like I feel like do they think we're stupid in the way that like they're trying to lead us to this emotional moment without having it there or is it like in the animated movies is the emotional moment there and the music is just helping and is it just that the quality is different like that's kind of always my question I think I think it's operatic in its sense where part of the story is the music like that, yeah. it, the music is what helps carry you through those strong, cathartic moments. And that it really would not hit as hard if it wasn't for yeah, James like, Horner doing his specifically, thing. Specifically, like in The Land Before Time, which I will be watching tomorrow with my sister and Jackson for um, Thanksgiving, like night before. Um, it's nice. very whimsical and playful in this way that it needs to be because it's like very dark, you know, it's like a bunch of little kid dinosaurs like going through some really dangerous situations, but it still takes the moments to like bring you back to like the whimsy of kind of being a child. Um, I don't know. Really good. James Horner. He's my king. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. You legend. <sighs> he you is. You know who's my king? Oh my God, Titanic. You know who's my fucking Avatar? king? Uh, yeah, that no, was the weakest Togo part. Togo is my king. Togo is my fucking king because Togo's a hero. That's right. I'm bringing it back. Togo, what a hero, what a king. But I bet that Rest James Horner did not score Togo. Uh, no, he was he dead. He was dead. Time. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> I was going to say, that is like the major, in regards to Avatar and Avatar 2, I think the main lapse in quality is that you don't have James Horner scoring the second one. Yeah, yeah but I, they take I a lot know. of his I think themes. the composer... Yeah, I think the composer does a good job building out on his score. Yeah, Not the same, though, you know. There's quite a lot of <laughs> nods, you know, to, to Horner, so. Listen, I, I will not argue, though, that James Horner's fucking score for the original Avatar whips. Yeah, I listened Great to that fucking so score. much when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> okay, so back to Balto. I think it's yes. really funny that the same man who gave us I can hear you calling in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. Phil Collins is the fucking polar bears. Not just one, but both of them. The one that doesn't That's actually Phil talk Collins? in words and the other yeah, one. Phil Collins that, he's is both the of bears. Them. 
He's about the, the one. The one who's like the one who's like. He's like. Mm-hmm. He's like, what did he I say? I knew he was in the like, movie, but that was not who I expected him to be. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. The, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when he's like, and then the goose is like, what the fuck is he saying? And he's like, oh, the polar bear who fears the water. Shame on us. No wonder we are shunned by our fellow bears. Woe is us. It's what he said. Kind of pathetic, really. I don't know why. I still find that I still find that that line really, really cute and adorable. I don't. And it's really funny that it's both. It's the same person that's doing both the noises and then this little little polar bear voice. Yeah. And it's legendary musician Phil Collins. Yes. (laughs) I have to say, speaking of the bears, um, the animation in this film is pretty, pretty good. It's very impressive because you could tell this is still in the era of, uh, you know, 2D animation where it's all hand-drawn. These yeah. are craftspeople that are... There's teams in charge of each person. This by hand, each frame, and every... There's 24 frames per second. That is a lot of drawings that need to match up. And this film does a really, really good job with the animation. But... Yeah, my my issue with Balto the first time I saw it and it's arguably worse the second time I watch it is the animation of those bears is they're having a tough time. Those do not (laughs) look like bears. Um, They look like a police artist sketch of a bear that's done a crime (laughs) where you're like, okay, I can kind of see that that's a bear. Like when you look at a police artist, it's like, okay, that's a person, I guess. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. The little, the little paws that they have in the the weird face. It doesn't look like a bear. It looks like a Dr. Seuss character. It didn't work for me as well. Cause yeah, generally I, I like how this movie looks. I mean, I think that it's fair to say that this probably was an animated film without a ton of budget behind it comparatively. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, like, there's there's some corners being cut at points. Like, uh, a lot of the people, unless they're, like, you know, yeah. speaking characters, uh, don't have a lot of detail to their faces. Yeah. A lot of times uh, they're not moving. Which again is really a the, flaw, but the the other the other thing that leads me to believe that this was shot on a budget are the opening and close of this movie at the yeah. which are uh, live action segments at the real statue of that fucking fraud Balto, um, and I uh, <laughs> I think that those were probably shot like that um, to like save money from having to like you know there's like i can see what it's doing there's kind of like a princess bride style like storybook quality to it i would say that's probably not a budgetary thing i think that's probably a creative choice i Um, think it's probably both um you know what tells me that this movie didn't didn't have much of a budget what that the guy who sang the ending song is somebody named steven winwood where 1995 steve winwood yeah, yeah, Steve Winwood's a fucking famous musician. Okay, but is you he know Steve Rand- Winwood, right? But is he Randy Newman? Yeah, fair enough. Okay, because Toy Did Story, which came out in Randy the same Newman. <laughs> <laughs> no. Where is Randy? Give me Randy Newman. Somebody call up Demerit. Randy Newman. Get him on the phone oh right God. now. <laughs> um, Steve Winwood did. 
He did do uh, Higher Love, though. Is that the yeah. premium? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, Steve yeah. Winwin. Yeah, Steve Winwin. Great. So he was popular in the 80s? All right. Okay. Yeah, oh, and Randy Newman why we, wasn't. Why are, we, why are we coming for Wait, Steve Alexis, Winwood's life like this? Alexis, he was out name, here doing his best. I'm Alexis, sorry. name a famous Randy Newman song. I'm Short sorry. people. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's You've Got a Friend in Me, okay? Because he came out with a fucking banger on Toy Story, okay? Even you think fucking, that's a banger? Even, even on fucking you don't think on that's the a Land Before no, Time. That's not a on banger. the Land Before Time. You, you, you shut the fuck up right now. You all shut the it fuck up right now. You, you stop and you, you can't shut the fuck up. Diana Ross. You too. They got Diana Ross on Mick, fucking the Land Before be Time. I'm just saying, okay, there's Diana Ross, there's Randy Newman, and then there's Steve Steve Winwood. I don't know who the fuck I'm Steve Winwood is. I don't give a okay, fuck about Steve Winwood. I'm, def- I'm defending Steve Winwood. You are I'm, doing him dirty. Okay. I'm I'm here. I, oh, here's I love where that I'm song, okay? This, I do. But like, I feel okay. like that's a budgetary okay. thing. I've ever heard. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand here, uh, somewhat in the middle, and say uh, one, Mick, you're fucking wrong. You've got a friend in me is a banger, but Alexis, I, I will say that uh, at the time period, I would not say that Randy Newman was a comparably bigger celebrity than Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood was fairly popular. I feel like was he still popular in 1995? I don't know. Was I alive in 1995? No, I was just just a thought. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to go on a limb and say he was still popular because they got him to do a song for the end credits of this film. <laughs> Guys, this you know is a what? really good I episode. feel like I, yeah, I've I've been dunked really hard. Just I, you know what? Actually, I'm ta- this place is tapped. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been mentally crushed by was I alive in 1995? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to recover. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking this movie Listen, was released Alexis. in 1995. This movie is as old as I am. Yeah, it, this watching three this years made me, me feel my age. I won't yeah. lie. Yeah, you're like Togo. You're you're an old veteran, but God damn it, you're going to get the job done. I do actually think that the third act of this movie is very exciting. I'm trying to bring it back together for the last part of this fucking episode. I think that the third act of this movie is actually is actually very exciting. I think like once you get them like going on their journey, going through like the mountain pass that and with James Horner's um, score beneath it, it just like really fucking progresses like the icicle section, the part where they almost fall off the mountain. Like it all just kind of like bop, bop, bops. So um, I also really love that dog who is um, the guy who's doing the, the Morse code and his dog has this like weird little tick where like, his eye twitches like in Morse code. I love that. Oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, it was that's cute. like a fun little animator detail that someone must have been really proud of. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, I get really bummed every time the guy like takes the little lantern down because he says, as long as there's hope for these children, I won't take this light down. And then like so- towards the end, like he takes it down and everybody's like, oh, fuck the children. Oh, 
the fucking mental imagery of I'm just trying to bop some shit off right now. The mental imagery of the little coffins that are getting made. And so then it's like, oh, you understand the gravity of the situation yeah. of like, oh, these children are literally about to fucking die. Like the people in the town are preparing for their deaths. Um you know, as a children's movie, you know, not every child is as incredibly gifted as I was at a young age. So, you know, they, they need to be a little bit more obvious with certain things. I'm just joking, guys, but I'm really not. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that's a good way to, like, communicate life or death stakes in a movie where, you know, it's rated G. I don't think you can show people die. Yeah. Um, Child coffins. Because it's like the so, same guy, the same guy who was about to who brought this little girl like a shit ton of joy at the very beginning of the movie by making her this dog sled is the same woodworker who has to craft all of these fucking like uh, graves, you know, for these children. So, yeah, that's uh, that's good economical storytelling. I, I will say that, uh, you know. Alto does uh, get in, get out, get everything it needs to say said in uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. waste no time. That's for sure. I do also yeah. love the whole. Uh, I don't know if a dog can make this journey, but maybe a wolf can. I love that it comes back at that moment where he's like he's kind of been like. uh trying to hide this part of himself that feels like really shameful, like when he's like, I have the keys to the city and he like takes the nail out of the the hinge out of the door. And then she's like, oh, Balto, you have such big paws. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> I don't, I I don't like that. how you curl your ponytail as you say I that. did make a note of that. And it did say big paws kind of run in my family. Guy has big paws. You know, he got a big old hog. Um, <sighs> so don't want to think about that. Sure that. I say um, those notes that I wrote. Um, I really am not enjoying this episode, like at all. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps getting worse. I Circling back, he makes a sexual joke about his paws, but in actuality, he is ashamed of the fact that he has bigger paws because that's an indication that he's not completely Siberian Husky. He's also a wolf, blah, blah, blah. But then there's that moment, which is my favorite song of the score is when he's down there in the snow, he's fallen with the medicine and he's kind of just decided to give up and then this wolf comes over and like kind of tries to like be like hey man what's up like are we related and then he's just like nah man shut the fuck up and go away and then you hear boris you know a dog cannot make this journey alone but maybe a wolf can and then you hear the music like start to swell and he goes and he puts his paw into the paw print and he sees that it matches with the wolf and he decides to own his heritage and we're all very happy for him racism is dead yay Yay. Balto was a fraud I will say (laughs) one thing I did appreciate in that scene is a single hero shot of Balto where the camera kind of swings around Balto as he's howling with his ancestor. Yeah. And something that this movie does, again, we were kind of critiquing some of the animation, but uh, it is in general quite good. What they really nail in that shot is the camera comes around, is that the camera, I'm using quotes because it's not a real camera, is looking into the sun. And they use 
a practical element that would happen in real life is that they animate in a sun flare to like be behind Balto and it really takes the shot together, adding in a, uh, I guess you would say something that is an error within a lens is when you get those lens flares. Yeah. Um, it's, it is really effective. I think that was a really beautiful shot as the camera swings around and it does kind of add to the uh, heroism of that sequence. Indeed. Mick, you're doing such admirable work actually talking about this movie. I'm really I, proud of you. I'm, I'm really tr- proud of all yeah. of us. We've really been dialed in in the past few minutes. Uh, we really truly have. I'd like to apologize for nothing because I am here defending Togo. Did you know that <laughs> Leonard Sapala, the sled, the sled driver on Togo's sled, was uh, largely responsible for the Siberian Husky breed as we know it today because... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, brought, I knew that. like Siberian dogs to Alaska and I bred them. Care. And they uh, like the husky, quote unquote, wasn't really a breed. It was just what they started calling any of those dogs that were from Siberia in Alaska. Uh, so, you know, the actual Balto, we, we really don't know what breed he was because, you know, it was uh, at the time when sort of the husky was becoming a thing. Uh, but he, we do know that he was a glory hound and a liar. So uh, that's You've just... You've heard it here, uh, folks. <laughs> so we on this show correct I, history. I'm going to take the same stance that I took with Elvis. <laughs> nice. In that, I'm a dog. in that I do not necessarily support who he is or maybe what he stood for. But I sure did love Austin <laughs> Butler's Elvis and the same stands for Balto. I do not have to approve of what he stood for in the masses and in actuality and history because fuck that. I stand for Kevin Bacon's Balto. <laughs> I mean, you could say that, like, you have real events in reality, but then you have films that are based off of a true story that find the emotional truth in reality. It's not reflecting reality, but it is finding that emotional it's an core emotional that we truth know is that truth. people can empathize with and relate to and find meaning in. And that is what happened to me as a child. I felt like I was not like other kids. I did not feel good about myself. And Balto learned to love himself and succeed. And that was what I needed. I needed that that idea that, you know what? Me too. <laughs> I too can fucking make it through life, you know? So I love you, Balto. Even if you were a glory hound and that is hearsay, okay, from my co-host. Fuck all that noise, Togo gang for life! But I am here to say, Togo, you are the bestest boy. Thank you. Thank there you for your go. service. Thank Amen. you for your service. Amen. I think uh, that's a perfect place to wrap this episode up <laughs> for the love of God. Really? Yeah. You, don't yeah. to, you don't want to retouch on the furry <laughs> section? Nope, I don't. Uh, yeah, no, I feel like we could talk about more furry stuff. Mick, what's your first song? <laughs> oh, God. I've seen the suit, buddy. <laughs> this episode is actually, it's longer than the movie, officially. Um, there we go. Sure is. And I am... 
abhorred, abhorred, appalled, appalled. No, appalled. And there's also there's also it's 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 abhorrent, it's appalling, abhorrent. Yes. Um, I think it's nice. Uh, yeah, well, of I mean, you like, do. I'm rancid, so like that's like kind of my middle ground is abhorrent and appalling. So. <laughs> Uh, well, Alexis, I've so enjoyed this journey to the animation station. Yeah. It's a shame that the train derailed in the wilderness and we all died. Yeah, uh, we, uh, <laughs> the train really went off the tracks. It was, it was a, it really a horrible it was a beautiful journey. It's like, it was like uh, the last segment of Train to Busan where like that, there was like a collision and then it just like <laughs> rocket launched off the tracks. I, yeah, I just picture the train at the end of Mission Impossible uh, where it's just flying off a cliff. That's that's what happened to this train, for and sure. And now we've we've found ourselves in in kind of a frightening place. Yeah, kind of a, a troubling place. A troubling place for sure. Someone someone might say a a, a cursed place. Oh no! And yeah. What time of the year is it? This, what are we coming up on? Please don't say it's so. And our lovely fans, we are now entering cursed. Christmas. Oh, That's right, right, folks. That's right. As we get closer to the holiday season, we will be exploring films that take us into that holiday spirit and cover us in the big ick. Movies that really we don't we don't like, or maybe we like for perverse reasons. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of that on not, this show. These are not horror films, no. but they are films which horrify. Yes. Well and said. We uh, we would like to note this will be uh, the first time in over a year where we are taking a break. Yes. We will be doing three episodes of a film major's cursed Christmas, and then we will be taking a fucking break for the holidays. And we will be okay. It. You know yeah. why? We Fuck put you. in the hard work. There, there will be no compromise week because there is no compromise in a curse. You're goddamn right. Each one of us, each one of us brings something which frightens and horrifies us. And we will be starting with the person who I believe whose idea this was, Mr. Mick Munyai. Mick, what do you have for... Munyai. Munyai. What do you have for a filmmaker's Curse Christmas? and enemies, uh, to start off Curse Christmas, I thought we would dust off a... A lovely old classic. Um, we will be venturing forth and watching 1998's Jack Frost. Oh my uh, god! Starring Michael Keaton. That's so and, funny that that's your um, pick. It gets a skyrocketing 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's so funny. So I'm quite <laughs> curious. I've seen this once when I was a kid. I remember well, this is not what I thought you were going to pick. I, no, I this is kind 100% of out of pocket. was thinking about what movie I would do. And then I was like, gosh, you know, Jack Frost was really there's just something kind of wrong about it. And thank exactly. you, Mick. Thank, thank you, Mick. You know, what, you're really what, kicking what, us off right. What better way to make us all feel deeply uncomfortable <laughs> than by watching Michael Keaton as a very weird creepy snowman i'm, I'm actually excited to watch this anthropomorphic snowman yeah it's not it's not i don't like his smile there's something unsettling about it yeah 
Um, So, yeah, we will be covering that next week. And uh, I think I speak on everyone when I say we hope you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving and or Friendsgiving holiday. We hope you ate plenty and and drank plenty. uh, I hope you drank a lot to put up with your family. I wish that for you. There we go. I Uh, second that. Well... You know, you've got, hey, listen, if you need to get away from your family, you can stay caught up with the film majors and what we're watching and you can watch Jack Frost on Max. Um, or, you know, you could just see what the film majors are up to on social media and you could go ahead and follow us at Film Majors Pod on Instagram threads, Blue Sky and TikTok. Or, you know, you could get started on your letter to Xanta, Zach Santa, Zach, the film majors. You could get started on that by emailing us at film majors pod and telling us, uh, what you think, uh, is a cursed Christmas film. Again, that's film majors pod at gmail.com. All right. And with that, we're almost fucking 10 minutes longer than Balto. So let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Bye. I do say I, I, I like how we all take turns being dastardly on this show. And it was nice. It was nice to be on the sidelines this time because we went places. Uh, good Lord.